What's up, basketball trainers? I have the privilege of sitting down with Mike Dunn again for the second time. The first interview was three years ago, and this one was much better. Uh, did much better homework, and after three years passed and you gained some knowledge, you ask better questions. All that being said, I talked to Mike Dunn about a lot. Uh, his, his behind the scenes with DM and his clients, um, his experiences in corporate and how it helped him out with his current full-time basketball training business, the commonalities between marketing and shooting basketball, uh, advertising to prospects, dot-com secrets with, with Russell Brunson, uh, talked about his screen time, asked him about that, his reading habits, online versus inline, why does he prefer one-on-one, I mean, a lot of things in this interview. It was a really good conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it. If you do, just hit me up on IG, let me know what you liked about it. And I hope you guys tune back in for the next episode of this podcast. I spent the last three years learning from some of the best business minds inside the game of basketball. And now I've left my nine to five to create freedom and have fun while doing it. So the question is, how are hoopers and basketball fanatics like us using those same skills that gave us success on the court to give us success in our new sport of business? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I learn, apply, share knowledge, and change lives through the game that changed mine. My name is Myson Jones, and welcome to the Basketball to Business Podcast. We are live. Mike Dunn. What's up, sir? How are you doing? What's up, brother? I am. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm cheesing, man. I'm happy. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to have you back on. Yeah, man. This is a uh, we just we were just talking three years, dude. Three years is a long. It's a long time. That is a long time. But I kind of want to go back to the beginning and talk about that and then lead up to where you are right now. Is that cool? Oh, let's do it. So 2016, you you get a, a message from a kid saying, hey, you should start an Instagram account. You're not like the professor, not as good as him, but you should still do it. <laughs> and you decide to take action on that. You, you have a hashtag strategy. What was that hashtag strategy? What did you start doing to build a following? I remember for the hashtag type thing, it was just all like basketball, training, shooting. I mean, that was that was pretty much the only the only thing I, I did from there. I think as time went on with all that stuff, like started doing it less and less and less and less. But I don't know if that there was, I don't know if there was that much of a, a huge strategy with it other than those like core fundamental basketball training, all that, all that kind of stuff. When man, look, you were, I know you were happy about two people at first, then next thing you know, two turns into 50 in terms of DMs in your, in your inbox and comments. <sighs> How many followers do you think you got to before you realize this is too much? I can't keep up with all this. I can't respond to everybody. Yeah, I don't I I don't know. I guess I guess when you get like a couple thousand, because messages come in so much and I was trying to respond to everything. I don't know where the exact number would be, um, but there definitely does come a certain point where it's it's just it's a it's a lot. Um being able to being able to go in and, and filter and filter through it all. But I don't know. I don't remember the exact number. Um, I would say that anything, you know, once things got like over 20,000, 30,000 followers, then I think things got a bit, a bit hectic in terms of, uh, in terms of the things that were coming in day after day, for the most part. What's your philosophy on it now in terms of interaction and engagement? Yeah. So, 
when it comes to DMs now, I mean, I'll still go through as much as possible because my livelihood depends a lot on it now, right? So um, there's there is uh, there's like gold within those DMs of people that need more information and and are interested in the product that you now offer. So if I see things that are serious in terms of inquiries um, about getting to work with me, uh, whether that be in person or or through my virtual platform that I created, then that's something that I'm definitely going to try to try to weed through, you know what I mean? And, and entertain and entertain all that stuff. So when it comes to DMs that way, um, man, I, I, I still use them and still convert on them. Um, like almost like a salesman in a sense, right? Like finding, finding that, finding what, who really is serious about what they want in there. And then, you know, kind of putting your salesman cap on for a second and then, and then converting them into, into clients. I, so I, when I got out of college, I was a sales rep and I made cold calls like 50 an mm. hour, had my script and smiling and dialing had three monitors. So I'm familiar with cold calls in person yeah. and on the phone. And I like prospecting. I think it's very effective and it's interesting hearing that you're doing it right now. Do you think how, how many hours would you say, or minutes do you do that every day? Prospecting? I mean, I'm, I'm all, I wouldn't, I don't know if I could allocate a certain time to it, but I'm definitely doing it. You know, I, I definitely find myself going through there looking for those particular things. So at this point, I guess it's almost like a habit more so, right? Like just once, you know, when you, when you, when you, when everything is on you, when you own your own business, you're constantly moving, right? You're, you're trying to figure out ways to drum up anything at any point in time, get some type of momentum going. Um, so I find myself just doing it all the time. And then to you, what you said, I enjoy that part too. Like I'll hop on the phone with certain people depending and, uh, and I'll just get to like sell in a way. And I never got to do, I never did that, but I really like it. Like I actually, I, I really enjoy, enjoy that part. I was actually, when I first started like the virtual side of things, I was doing that. And uh, where I was working with a, with a job, I had my other job at the time too. And I was taking those calls. Like I'd go in this separate office and I would like take the, I would like do these sales basketball calls. And then I'd come in and then just keep doing my job. And then I get another call, like an opportunity for a call. So I'd pop out, hop in this office, close the door. And I was all day, man. I was just back and forth, uh, just trying to, just trying to grow what I, uh, what was like fresh at that point in time. What, what did your job entail? I mean, I, I threw out actuarial science earlier, trying to sound no. smart, but I don't know if that really even has anything to do with underwriting. Did, what did you really do in your, your full-time job when you had it? So where I want it's interesting because 2018 is where I switched. So with the last time we talked to each other, I could have been, I could have been at Liberty Mutual or I could have been at where I, where I just left, which is a place called Deep Street Capital. And I was an underwriter there in which basically just processing a bunch of information uh, as it related to the sale of homes. So private mortgage notes specifically. So we would buy homes with zero bank involvement, places that pretty much were owned by people flat out there. The bank had no hand in, in any part of the property. So we could go in and purchase a note at a discounted rate and give whoever actually owned the property uh, a lump sum of cash that wouldn't be equal to what was left on the note, but would be uh, still a considerable amount enough for them to say, here, we'll give you the mortgage now. And, uh, and then it would be ours. And then we collect payments moving forward from whoever was the tenant. So we did that all over the country, and that was a 
that was my exciting that was my exciting job man you know <laughs> so uh, i imagine you were pretty good with numbers they had to deal with numbers a lot has that helped you out with what you're doing right now in terms of budgeting and opportunities and being a business owner the not working a nine to five like a legitimate nine to five in the corporate world um, does nothing but help that i think as much as i dreaded waking up and going and doing it and 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 whatnot you know i i feel very lucky and fortunate in the sense that i got to be in the room with some giant companies um as well as working on like more of like the the startup ish side with d street capital um communication aspect of things how to how to talk to people uh, working through those numbers learning to you know allocate time to this so you can get to this and there's so many benefits to it that I don't think I'd be able to do what I do now or would have felt confident even making that change had I not had the experience working those jobs, for sure. Agreed. Yeah. With prospecting, for me, the advertising side, with the time management, with managing by the, all, the, all the skills that you're mentioning, and, and then some, speaking of advertising, you started out with Craigslist ads in the mm. beginning. Do you have you experimented with ads ever since? Yeah. Yeah. So I experimented with ads, um, still experimenting with them. Still, I guess, I guess maybe in the marketing world, you never stop experimenting, right? Like that, that, that'd be kind of the, that'd be kind of the thing, right? So right. continuing to experiment, experiment with those through, through different platforms, whether it be on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Google ads, all that kind of stuff starting to ramp up, starting to get better understanding of, of what that entails and, and how to go about it. But, uh, you know, forever learning, right? Like I tell everybody I work with, like you have, the whole thing with shooting is you're, you're going to have to commit to this learning process forever. Like this, this, this isn't something that you actually ever, in my opinion, master. I don't think that anything that anything worth doing, you actually ever really master, right? You're almost always going down this road of what's what what else can I draw out of this how else can I get better at this right like you look at guys like Ray Allen I think he's such a great example of somebody that everybody always like praises his work ethic right like Ray be here before a game and which is amazing like it's awesome right but like I wouldn't say Ray ever mastered it to the point where he could walk away from it and you know what I mean like he like he had to go put that work in, you know what I'm saying? Like it was like, Absolutely. it was like a, like a necessity. Right. So I would say that, you know, business wise, marketing wise, figuring all that out, all of that stuff is just going to continue to be that never ending. What, how do I get better at this? How do I understand this more? All that kind of stuff. And man, I imagine you're experimenting with your, you were always experimenting with your own dollars, but now it's a little different, I'd imagine, because you're experimenting with the dollars from the basketball training mm. revenue. Have you seen it to be fruitful? Because you're, I mean, you're, you're basically advertising either to people, kids who don't have a credit card, usually, or to parents who have to purchase it for their kids. So are you advertising to the customer, the parent, or the consumer, the athlete, both? And how's it work for you? Yeah, so so primarily both, um, and it's worked. It, it's worked really well. So um, I think I'm lucky, in a sense of you know fortunate, to have the kind of like community esque feeling of the people that watch what I do. 
So before I even started experimenting with that stuff, I, I feel like I had the trust of a lot of people. So them seeing it to begin with, um, you know, it's, it's, it's strange. I would say that a lot of the kids that follow me, their parents do as well. Um, it seems to be a, a very common, a very common thing. So uh, it's, it hasn't, it's, it hasn't been that difficult to, to use that, those, to use the marketing and the dollars spent and being able to, you know, come out well on the other side is what, uh, is, is what I'll say. Like, it's been a, it's been a pretty, it's been a pretty smooth transition. In fact, it's been a smooth enough transition that it allowed me to leave my job before I put one marketing dollar into it. So I did everything organically for almost a year and it built up to the point where I could walk away from it. So now it's like almost everything becomes gravy on top of starting to figure out how to even expand that reach and everything even further. That's interesting. And I know the answer, I believe I know the answer to this question, but you love the process of going and communicating with some kid who wanted to get a question answered by you who may have never gotten that question answered in general. Does that process, was that process worth it? Because you loved it, but from a business perspective, is it, was it worth it to manually message that community to have that hand-to-hand combat at scale like you did? Would you go back and do it again, even if oh, you yeah. didn't enjoy it as much? For sure. Because you gain so much from that. Not only do you gain possibly maybe in the future, who knows, you know, who knows that that, that person that you answered three years ago I still have people that like I've answered three, four years ago that come back and sign up for my subscription now and are like, man, I remember when you helped me out, you helped me out so much then, like, I can't wait to work with you now. Right. So, you know, are you willing to, you know, plant those seeds now to, to reap, reap the harvest years on down the line? I think that I, I believe in all, in all of that kind of stuff. So that was, uh, I would, I would do it in a heartbeat. Plus you get better at communicating like just answering those questions, you start to get better at getting your message across from, from technical terms to, to whatever, to whatever it is. Right. So there's nothing but good things to be gained about going out of your way to help somebody else. Right. Like there's eventually like, you know, when it's time for you to kind of almost, I don't want to say cash in on it, but maybe, you know, transition those those people into into customers um you've already you've kind of built the relationship right so they're 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 even more willing to to go that route that's interesting i i just thought about that too and then hold on one second i gotta get a book that i think you might like thinking about this guy right here yeah i just read it yeah oh you finished it already yeah Cool, cool. And, and I'm just realizing that like, he's, a, he's a big fan of Dan Kennedy and he's also a big fan yeah. of some other good copywriters. And one thing that stuck with me is, is one of them saying basically advertising is a public spread of a private want. And you having those direct conversations with people, I'm sure it helps you with your organic content. And I'm sure it helps you to figure out exactly what the, the pain points are to really focus on yeah. to make you different. What are you what have you read in dot com secrets that has made the biggest difference for the- you? The dream customer, the dream customer was the most amazing thing to me because it made complete sense. So I, I talk to people every day, right? So I'm, I'm literally woke up this morning and had 50, 50 different people, you know, 
that I, that are within my subscription sending me messages. Hey, this is, it'd be so hard if the people that I attracted were the people that I never wanted to answer questions to. Right. But giving out this feeling of look, this is the kind of the, this is the path that we go. This is how we do it, et cetera. Um, and now after doing it for, for two years, you start to get this, you start to develop that dream customer, that person that like, I get to work with these people that doesn't, it doesn't feel like work, right? It's almost like we're, we're friends, like we're friends, man. We truly like it is, it's more, it's almost more so like that. I'm just, I just have something that is going to allow them to further uh, their, their ability and, and get to whatever level they want to get to. But that idea of the dream character, seeing who it is you'd exactly want to work with every single day or uh, the dream customer, I, I think that that's a, that's a big one. And when you can kind of narrow that down, then, uh, then things get a bit easier. And when you do have difficult customers or clients that come up time after time, it is what it is. You know what I mean? But usually, usually it won't, it won't last that long either. I'm surprised you finished the book, man, because that's pretty early on, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But I, uh, I, I'm, I'm like obsessed with Brunson stuff right now. So I bought the whole box set. Um, so I'm moving on to Traffic Secrets next. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, the, the rest right of the there. book, yeah. <laughs> but the rest of it, I mean, understanding, starting to see the marketing techniques, understanding squeeze pages, like all that kind of stuff as you continue through it, I think is just, um, if anybody owns their own business, you, I just, you need that. Like you need that book, right? Like you, you have to have, and at least it's going to give you some type of high level understanding of marketing, you know, where it came from, how they used to do it, how everything's still relevant here. People are people, people respond to things very similarly as they, you know, today, as they did 30 years ago, there's just the way that you deliver the information is going to be a bit different. Right. So uh, I love, I love his stuff. Are you, are you still waking up at 3 a.m.? 4 a.m.? Uh, not 3 a.m. Usually like four uh so usually still still waking up at four not these last two days i got the booster shot and it's been it's been it's been it had me down man but um but yeah usually four four thirty in the morning is uh is where that when the day still still begins still sleeping at 10 10 p.m 9 p.m yeah usually go to sleep at like nine okay so, you're getting more sleep these days so get yeah 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 i've been getting like seven sometimes even earlier getting eight hours i feel like if i if you give me eight hours dude i feel like i'm superman there's nothing, there's nothing I can't do off of eight hours of sleep. You give me eight hours, man. It's just tough. It's just tough getting those eight hours all the time. I can understand that. And are you still, still loving Mondays? Nothing changed with that either? Mondays are the day, man. Mondays, Mondays are the day. Like, oh, my, like all my clients, we have like a thing I send out and it everything always starts with TGIM, man. That's how everything, that's how everything always begins on Mondays for, for our workouts and everything like that. So. Hell yeah, man. Mondays, Mondays will be here forever. You might as well embrace it, you know? It's a fact. Are you in that mindset? I'm sure when the algorithm and the algorithm shifted often, but somebody who's done this and had success organically, have you seen a big dip or any hindrances with the algorithm shift with, with reels coming to be popular? How has your process been with the Instagram algorithm? Yeah, and I, I just gonna sound awful. I don't really pay attention to it. Um, I don't care that much. I I put out what I want to put out. If it is received or whatever, it, it it catches on. Awesome. If it doesn't, 
don't care. Like it's like it's it's been it's been, always been like that for the most part. You know what I mean? There's always the 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 you know the deep down part. Of course, you want to see things do well, right? Like no one, we're all human. But at the end of the day, I can't control what they deem as something that wants to be seen. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it is what it is. Like what am I gonna what am I gonna do about it? So I I just you know if I like something, I'll put it out and and I go that route. But I don't really ever pay attention and to the to the algorithm side of things anymore um because i can't do anything about it you know they kind of own my stuff <laughs> <laughs> makes sense until you own that traffic right in, right in words of brunson right what do you what is your screen time that's a weird question but i'm genuinely curious because i, I talked to jordan lawley long time ago and he explained his process on his phone and i'm thinking like man the screen time must be crazy for the online presence that you have and the mm. amount of activity on the phone yeah it'd be well i have i have a lot of screen time like computer time uh just because of of my subscription so answering clients going back and forth with clients that's that's where the majority of it lies uh so that's going to be a couple hours a day and then the other i mean aside from that i try to minimize everything dude i just i i read a ton man like when I tell you, I mean, I'm the biggest nerd there is. I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know if you know who Naval Ravikant is, or if you read it. Man, love his thought processes. His interviews yeah. with Tim Ferriss are fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Ferriss podcast is amazing. Um, but he he had said something somewhere, and he was he was like, um, you know, he said he said like his time is spent doing three things: either either earning, reading, or relaxing. Right. And I feel like that was such a, such an, a simple thing. But to me, it was like, yeah, like why, like why, why not? And, uh, and I just, when I have the time, I'm, I'm reading, man. I'm not really doing, I'm not doing anything else. I'm not scrolling as much. I'm, 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 I'm just, my nose is in a book and, and that's that. How do you, how do you balance the input versus the output? So you don't have the, analytical constipation or you're just you know consuming information but not really having any production with it do you even think in terms of in terms of the information that's being read right i i i'll read whatever interests me um a lot of things i mean i'm not going to read all marketing type material right like like uh like i'm I'm reading i'm finished finishing through this book uh breath by james nesters right so it's all all about just the origins of breathing right or if I if I read like a book like Sapiens, um, that's going to be the, the the history of of us, right? Where we where did we come from, whatever. But then I might jump to a book like um, The Minimalist Entrepreneur, right? So like everything I'm taking in, I kind of treat books like I used to treat TV, right? Like when we when we when we sit there and we mindlessly watch TV, we'll go from sports to uh, TLC to your wife's watching Bravo to, right? And like you're taking in like all of these different subjects, right? All these different things, but actually that have, you know, it's very low bandwidth in terms of what we're actually taking in. Whereas I can now re be reading a bunch of books at one time and I can go from the minimalist entrepreneur to breath, to uh, the Almanac of Naval, uh, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's kind of, that's kind of how I do it. And it's not, not everything is always based on business. Um, it's just based on just wanting to learn about various, various things.
Understood. What do you, what is your, your, your percentages of in-person versus online in terms of how you make your living? Yeah. On, online is going to be heavy because the reach is so big, right? So I have, I have hundreds of clients online and then in person is going to be the, the beautiful thing about the online thing is who I get to really be picky about now who I work with in person. So as before, I might be on like weekends when I was when I was working my nine to five, I would fill my weekends up from when the gym opened at 7 a.m. till like 2 p.m., all one hour workouts, right? So I'm in there, work, 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 because I'm just trying to I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to, to make the income, to, to make the money. Uh, while also, you know, doing the basketball thing, balancing the nine to five, the weekends were my time to do that, right? So now with the, with the online stuff, I'm able to generate the majority of the income that way and be very picky about who I work with in person. So I have a steady stream of clients in person, but it's all people that I know are there because they're going to invest in this in the long term. It's not like, um, hey, I just want to see what this is about. Let's do it one time. You know what I'm saying? So um, the client in person is smaller, um, but it's a steady, we see each other every week. It's, it's advanced, it's continuing to grow and then slowly trickling more, per, more people. It's, it's almost taking that same dream client approach. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be in the gym with anybody that doesn't want to be in the gym with me. And I'm not going. And I'm not going to do it. Like it, it makes no sense. I lost, I lost a bunch of clients because I just flat out would tell the kid. I would bring the kid and I would bring the parent together, and I would say, "Listen, I don't think they want to be here. They can. They may tell you different, but I don't want to take your money if they don't want to be here. And that's just the way it's like. If they don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. And I think that that those conversations, while not always easy to have. Um, for your sanity as a as a trainer or a teacher, um, I think it's it's uh, it's worth it's worth having. And I've never had a, a parent come up to me and say, uh, "Man, I can't believe you did that." Every time a parent has come up to me or sent me a message later on saying how much they appreciated the honesty that came that came with that conversation. What man? How many? I want to ask how many clients you have right now in person but really there's another question i'm looking for let's answer that one first if you don't mind how many in-person clients are you at now how many in person yeah how many in person so we are still scattered i would say in general i have a steady influx between 20 and 30 and everybody and every but everybody's individual right so that's no groups i don't do groups so you kind of answer one of the questions that was in the the group chat Uh, one of them asked Luke Hammond asks, uh, when you're working with a group, you know, he's all, all shooting all the time. He said, and Lucas said, he struggled to help poor shooters improve when not right. one-on-one. You, so, you can get, you can have a certain baseline of knowledge that you can distribute in a group. The ability to actually deeply impact the player with shooting in groups, very tough. Very, very, very tough. Like if I'm doing my job to the utmost of my ability, it needs to be in a one-on-one type type basis for the most part so that takes camps shooting camps out of your business model i'll still do them um i think that so what i see now when i do a lot of camps i have a lot of people that are familiar with what i do right so for the most part the people coming there have 
a pretty good baseline of knowledge of already what I teach. Um, how having having my subscription, I'll have people that will come to the camps that I've been within my subscription for a year plus, right? So their understanding of concepts makes something like that super, super beneficial for them. I do think that they're beneficial in that you'll have select group of kids that can definitely pay attention enough to the point where they can, they can get the information and they can start to use it. My only thing with it is that I, while I enjoy them and I love them, I can't devote my time to each kid like I would love to devote my time to each kid, right? So my whole thing, I remember like the first camp I did, the guy was like, how many do you want to get in here? And I was like, don't, don't have any more than 30, because if there's more than 30 kids, it's going to be really tough for me to see each kid. And all I want when I do those camps, I want each kid to go home and look at their parents and be like, hey, Mike saw me today. Like, Mike worked with me today. Mike helped me with this today. You know what I mean? Like, I would, like, it hurts my soul to know uh, would, it would hurt my soul to know that I went to a camp and I, I never interacted with the kid like that. That's, that's, that's the last thing. That's the last thing I want to do. And I think shooting is just such a personalized thing that the more interaction you can have there, the better. So for the, for the camps and for the groups, um, the smaller, the size, the, the better. Um, and yeah, I will still do the shooting camps, but I think in terms of value as, as for a player, the one-on-one -on -one stuff that that would just that would just never be beat, and I think that that goes across various things in general, right? I think you have somebody that's devoting their time one-on-one -on -one to you, you're going to be, you know, you're 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 going to see you know progress, unlike if you're in a group of 20, 30. Okay, and how, how does that break down? You have you have 20, 30 individual training clients. You've got products like make more free throws. You've got keep shooting subscriptions you got a lot of stuff going on with keep shooting you have I mean, you're giving your whatsapp number correct mm -hmm. so how do you manage the the one-on-one -on -one conversations there do you make a video based off of a one-on-one -on -one question or do you respond to michael d because michael d asked you a specific question inside of that that group so uh, are we we're talking what are we talking about here are we talking virtual or are we talking in person you're talking virtual, virtual. stop. I went from because we talked about camps, so I get That's it. In person. Camps. So this is yeah, okay, in so, person, so virtual so stuff with virtual now, yeah. Because if right. you take the same approach from you like one on ones in yep. camps too, you want that interact that interpersonal interaction when you get to the virtual with keep shooting or whatever products you have. How do you make sure they're still personalized? Do you go one on one and answer their questions, or do you make a video inside of the community? answering that question most people right ask. Now, so every everything is individualized back to the back to the player so every time i respond i'm responding individually to that particular player with every single thing that i do right so progressions obviously like i'll have a private video library stacked of like 150 videos right right because there's a drills will always be drills right that's just that's just the way it is but i can i can give them okay listen this is what we're going to do this is why we're doing it I'm going to send you the video. I want you to focus on this while you're doing it. They could be even looking at that and, and making their focus be on something completely different within it. Right. But like you can individually tailor the feedback to each person that you're working with, with those type videos and everything like that. Aside from the big thing that, that works for me is, you know, it's, it's an open, it's an open conversation, right? So whatever, whatever that person, that shooter is feeling on their side, Hey, this isn't really working for me. I'm not feeling this. What, what do you think it is? And we just go back and forth in terms of, okay, talk through it, feel through it. Uh, you know, 
every, everybody's a, everybody's a bit different in that, in, in respect to that. But um, the reason I think it's worked so well, and I've seen such crazy results from so many people is, is because of the open dialogue. Like I wanted to do it because as much as there's, there's like the prepackaged training things, which are great, but again, shooting is such an individualized thing that if you don't have things to really bounce, you know, bounce off, bounce your ideas off or, or have a fuzzy understanding of that could be detrimental to your progress in the long run. So I want to be that sounding board that says, you know, you say, hey, I'm not getting this. Okay, we're going to talk through it. I'm going to get you through it. I'll make you a personal video if you need it. I'm going to be here to answer every single question that you have. And it's a lot of work, obviously, but the, the results are all worth it to me. That's where I was going, really, just the work, because uh, this is different now. This is not somebody on Instagram who's asking for some, right. and they may mean well, that has good intent, like for some free advice, like, hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? This, these are people who actually have taken the next step and right. shown that commitment. So it was, it, it became unmanageable or harder to manage when you got to like 20K, but you're at a couple of hundred subscribers right now who I'm sure ask many, many questions. So I'm just curious to know, what does that bandwidth look like for you? Have you thought about hiring people? And it's kind of weird to do that. I understand that because it's you and your knowledge, but what number do you think it would become unbearable in terms of the amount of subscribers to your, your subscription? I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, it's not, it's not as crazy as you would think it is because, because, because the reach now is global. It's not like we're all on the same sleep schedule, right? So of course, I'll have things coming in at one part of the day from like the US, but then I'll have another sub, like another group of wave of messages coming in from Europe. You know what I mean? So like everybody, and then it's East Coast versus West Coast. So like the times that everything comes in isn't like everything comes in and just, it's not like all of a sudden you have X amount of uh, subscribers and then you wake up and then every message is dumped on your head. You know what I mean? Like that would be, that'd be insane. But the fact that things are so spread out is of benefit because, you know, I know that when I wake up in the morning tomorrow, I'll have my guys from Australia that will be sending me messages. You know what I mean? Because they're getting ready to shut it down. And, and then that's when they get in the gym and they're going to send through that way. So it's, uh, I don't know what the number would be. Uh, I know that I've, I've figured out a way to be, make things pretty, pretty manageable on my end in terms of not being too maniacal about being in there 24 seven and like blocking dedicated parts of time. Right. So I'll be like, like right after this call, I'll go down the street to, to what I call my office, which is the local coffee coffee shop. And uh, I'll plug in my computer and I'll just sit there for an hour, hour and a half. And I'll just knock out a bunch of, a bunch of questions until I go uh, until probably like five o'clock or so after dinner. And then I'll knock out a bunch more questions. Right. So it's, it's kind of just not, not being overly consumed by it, but, you know, dedicating some chunks of time to it. Understood, man. And I'm, God, Lee, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people talk about wanting to do something online, but I think when I hear someone say online, they, I believe that their perception is that it's going to be very passive, which it can mm -hmm. be. I don't know how effective it would be, but it's just passive income coming in because people have an online subscription and it's prepackaged, like you said. Shooting is different. Yeah. So for you, are you, when you go to, the, to your office or somewhere else, do you feel that the the typing will suffice or maybe the graphics that you create or do you sometimes go to the gym and it's like hey this is what I'm saying for you to do like, what is that mixture between those communication styles yeah so 
it will be you, the typing sometimes will, will suffice for sure. And then at other times, um, I do a lot of voice, right? So a lot of, a lot of voice, voice messages. So the thing that was, that was cool, like early on, I was doing all typing and um, I started sending voice messages and the feedback that I would get from, from clients was, I'm so glad you're doing this because I know it's you. Like a lot of people were under the impression, I think early on we're under the impression, we're under the impression that somebody else was answering questions versus versus me, right? So I guess like the voicemail side of things help people kind of be like, oh, wow, he's actually, it is him answering all these questions, whatever have you, uh, that helps. Uh, I will do video too. Uh, I'll just set, set up a tripod. And for the most part with shooting, things are so mechanic, so things are so based in the mechanics in terms of how we move things, et cetera. Um, basic, basic principles that I teach. That I can do that all. I could do that all within my living room in terms of starting to show. Okay, uh, you're not you're not understanding this principle of uh, moving that ball in, in more so one direction to that two position. This is how this is what you're doing. This is what it should look like. And I can put together like quick 30, 40 second videos, sometimes more than that. Um, that gives them you know that 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 visual that's 100% tailored to them. I'm thinking the gym, but you're right. Like you're you're. Right. You can go to the room, the living room. Right. Like that's that's your gym right there. Gym would be tough. The gym would the gym would make things uh, a bit more difficult. Logistically, I guess. Right, right. So you, man, what is? Obviously, I asked if there was anything off limits. I'm sure you're comfortable saying, "Hey, man, that's not none of your business, bro." <laughs> but what does your overhead look like? I mean, you, you're 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 all online aside from the the 30 individual clients you have, but really the overhead doesn't seem like it's very extensive at all nothing man it's it's very very minimal <laughs> it's a nice it's a i couldn't like right now i say i couldn't imagine doing it any other way but there will be other ways right like there's there's there, there's definitely going to be more more to it um but yeah the the overhead is next to nothing which which makes turning a profit um pretty much standard right like just get a couple of people right, <laughs> you right. know it's ah man i okay so getting to that that point where when did you actually quit your 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 job I actually, so i actually quit in june so i've actually only been so i've been doing this now two years um but i did it for a full year and a half before i left the job Got so it. I was, doing, I was doing both. Understood. Understood. And I, I noticed for, for me, I, I I didn't quit my job in a wise way at all. Uh, it was just me though. I had a girlfriend at the time, but that's it. And I wasn't, it wasn't wise about it at all. But what I realized was when I did quit, I didn't have an understanding of the numbers. So I technically wasn't, I, mean, I wasn't paying myself. Like I, I had stuff drawn out to where I, I could take care of my expenses, but I, I didn't have like a, a salary so I didn't really replace my income until I put myself on payroll for you did you have a certain kind of benchmark to where you said okay I'm at this number I can replace my salary I'm paying myself and I've got x margin or what was that process like so there wasn't much friction when you transferred or quit your job so just like full transparency I could do I could say this without numbers so my 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 goal was I'll leave when I double my salary so I was like, when I'm bringing in what I'm bringing in on a on a month to month basis, knowing that I'm I'm ahead of I'm I'm where I can double it at least, then I'm I'm very comfortable leaving. 
So that was that was kind of that was kind of the idea behind it. I also for a year and a half, like if anybody's starting a business and they can they can hold two jobs, um, do it because you can also what I did for that year and a half was every dollar that was made as I was building that goal of doubling what my income was at my nine to five, none of that money was being spent. So I was living off nothing but the nine to five income. And then for a year and a half, I banked all of my basketball income. So now I'm in that position where you double the salary, you can walk away from it. And now you have a nice little chunk of change for yourself in case anything were to ever go wrong, right? Like it's just, it's, it's nice. It's nice to have period. Um, but now you're, you're set up and you're feeling, you're feeling much better about your, your, you leaving your job uh, and then uh, supporting, supporting the family. Sure. And I, I, I can imagine that helps you out with, well, at least for me, it would, you may not have the same you know, makeup as me, but just having that, that stash and not coming off as desperate whenever I do prospect or talk to people, but just right. having more of a generous approach to it and feel behind it rather than a, I need to get this sale <laughs> right, right now approach to it. Uh, I think, but, I think that comes with that too is, um, like for me, like my goal has always been to be the best at what I do. Like that's, that's like, I'm very, I'm very open about that. Like I want to be like, I'm 34 right now. Maybe I don't become the, maybe I don't quote, quote, become the quote unquote best uh, until I'm 60. Right. Or maybe, maybe never like, because that title is never going to be given. It doesn't really, it's, it's like a, it's like something I'm striving to, towards that no one's ever going to bequeath upon me anyway. Right. So like, um, the idea of that, though, of always having that in my mind, I always feel like I'm getting better at what I do because I'm always learning, picking up new skills, learning how to communicate differently, et cetera. And with that, you've, I've started to learn that stressing about the prospecting or anything like that does me, will do me no good in the long run anyway. And I know that, like anybody, if you develop a certain skill set and you're really good at what you do, uh, you will figure it out. Like you will start to figure out what works for you in terms of how to generate that income. And the better off, the better you get at what you do, there will be no uh, shortage of opportunities for yourself. And I think that that's something that a lot of people should should keep in mind. I think a lot of sometimes we want to start these things or do these things, um, but we don't have the necessary skill set to be good at them. Maybe you know what I mean, like. Maybe you have the necessary skill set to convert for a certain period of time, but do you have the necessary skill set to keep people for a, a, a period of time? You know, retention is a big thing, right? And I think the better better you are at what you do and the more you commit to evolving, uh, the more retention becomes an easier and easier thing. And then future future opportunities pop up for you. Understood on that. And let me, I want to ask some of the questions that people have asked in the group okay. here. Uh, some of them I think you've already answered. So if don't don't feel like you have to spend too much time on it if that's the case uh, one question was asked way way back tiny gap or or big gap when shooting i mean sure never i've never once while working with a client talked about the gap i think there's certain things that um i think there's certain things that are that is like banter for social media that is the most simple things in the world but yet it gets attention because I think on some level, everybody can understand it. Um, 
the whole thing with me is make sure that, you know, I think the more coverage of your hand, the better from a control standpoint, and then having more control with the fingertips or finger pads versus anything else, right? We don't want our finger pad or fingertips. We don't want it just in our palm because that's absurd to think. Um, like when people say palm shooting, no one actually shoots with like the ball never leaves the palm last, right? So like in my world, when somebody says he's a palm shooter, the only way you're actually a palm shooter is if you, you shot like that, right? Like, no, you, the ball can touch it. That doesn't mean you're a palm shooter though. Like that doesn't, that's not how I go. So uh, control the ball, the more coverage, the better. Everybody's hands build a little bit differently. I think naturally there will be a small, small gap there just because of the way that our hand is constructed. But so long as that the ball is controlled with those finger pads versus anything else, um, you're going to be okay at the end of the day. I would be interested to learn how he drills extending range for high school kids. Does he have specific segments that he uses with players aside from the conceptual? Um, so it's, it's all, my, my big thing is, is understanding is always going to be better than anything. So if you can understand the concepts, uh, that I, that I teach, uh, everything's based on transferring energy from your body into the basketball in the most efficient way, right? So how can we create energy with our bodies that kind of can just take this ball along for a ride? We don't want that ball moving against us in any type of way. So from the very beginning, everything is based on understanding that the sequencing of how things have to move in order for you to maximize the, the energy that you create. Um, those principles are all the same, no matter if I'm at the free throw line or if I'm at the three-point line, except as I start to get a little bit further from the basket, things are going to increase in pace. Things are going to increase in the, in the time it takes, right? We're going to try to move things a bit faster. But how everything works, it's, it's, there's no magic drills to working on range. Uh, I think the, the more you understand the concepts involved in how to create energy, uh, the more you're going to be able to create it as time goes on. But it takes some time to really get to that point. Now, you have guys like I have some, some, some college guys, some pro guys, that can pick up on those things really fast, right? That's the beauty of working with a high level guys or, or girl for that matter is they understand concepts, they can pick up on things. It's their job to figure it out and they can pick up on that thing, on those things faster. But if you think you're gonna just walk into a gym and then all of a sudden start working on things to increase range when you haven't figured out how to go 10 for 10 from the foul line yet, um, it's going to be difficult. When you train young players, paying attention to detail in the form, how do you do that without having them get bored? Mm, they will. Uh, and that, that's part of it, right? Like if uh, I teach, right? So I'm not really there to entertain. And I guess it kind of goes along the, back to the conversation of like, if somebody's not all in, they're not all in, man. And it takes a certain personality to be able to do that. That's why I think that, that there's not lots of great shooters per se out there. Like they exist, right? For sure. But the reason that I could walk into any gym on any given day, and I'm going to see a lot more broke jump shots than good ones. Um, maybe, maybe they took the entertainment route versus the, their, versus the actual, you know, teaching, teaching route. So of course, man, it's boring. The stuff worth doing is, is boring. Investing in yourself is kind of boring because the, the, the results never show until, like I'm sure you could start to attest to in terms of, you know, as you're now responsible for yourself financially, um, learning to invest and, uh, and, and know that you're, look, you're doing things now for 20 years down the road is not an easy or exciting or entertaining thing to do, right? But it's the thing to do because, you know, you understand compound interest. Everything is compound interest in what we do, but 
um, yeah, it's going to be boring, but the boring stuff is eventually going to lead you to those breakthroughs later on down the line. Before I ask this next one, speaking of compound interest, so I'm, I've been on this kick, man. I, uh, I'm sure you're a fellow bald man like yourself, James Clear, talks about oh, yeah. uh, habits and, and the 1% increase every single day, right? And 1% you get 1% better. better. Say it again. I missed it. What'd you say? Mike, you're frozen. Yo, hope that podcast gave you some value. If it did, please rate, review, and subscribe to this. It only makes the podcast better. I read every single one. And at the very least, go join our group. You'll see the link in the description of this episode. And I will catch you on the next one.